Pastor Raymond, amen, is in, currently in California, amen. He preached this morning, amen. It was a powerful world, word, amen. So if ever you're, amen, it's always a privilege, amen, to take my father's place for a second and do the will of God, amen. But if you ever have, amen, before we start, amen, I want you to just, to, if you ever run through the day, amen, and you ever have your pastor on your mind, amen, you need to pray for your pastor. Come on now, you need to pray for your pastor, for his wife, Amen. That God uses them, amen, in the direction that he wants to lead them. Amen. If you'll put my topic up there real quick. Are you in the crowd? No, not the, not the, not the elect crowd, but are you in the crowd? Turn to your Bibles, amen, to Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 33. If you don't have it, you can follow on the screen. Amen. And the word Lord reads, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and his children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross, somebody say his own cross, and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he's strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, when the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today, God, for this day. We thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you, Father God, for the, your sweet spirit in this place. Father, we thank you, Father God, for, being, for calling us chosen, for marking us, God, for the day. Father, we thank you. We uplift your name, Father. Father, we're so grateful that you called us out of the darkness in the miry clay, Lord. But, Father, we are marked and we are called, Father God. But let us go at any cost, Father God. Father, we thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. When I was writing amen this morning, amen, pastor told me before he left, amen, he said, you're preaching on Wednesday. And then he had Zach call me. Thank God for Zachariah. Sometimes you need somebody to always remind you so you don't forget things. Amen. But when looking at what God has marked us for in this life, are we truly, we must truly understand the identity and the cost and most importantly, the purpose for being a disciple. See, church, there's a problem today where people are starting to leave the faith. Amen. If you don't remember, amen, a few days ago, a, a songwriter from Hillsong, amen, said he was losing his faith. And if you'll turn with me in the first Timothy chapter four, verse one. It reads like this, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons. And if you don't believe that, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, if you'll turn there, then when they went out from us, but they, had not, they were not really of us. For if they had been from us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are all not of us. See, starting from... In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is, you know, 
telling us all these great things about being a disciple, and he's telling us about the cost, and he's telling us what we must do. But saints, really what God was showing here is that first, we need to understand that the crowd was following Jesus. The world was following Jesus, and his disciples were in the crowd. Come on. But see, the reason why I titled it, Are You in the Crowd, is because this is the real reason. See, Jesus was saying to the people, you will follow me, but some of you inside of it want to be my disciples, but you don't even know how to get out the crowd. See, some of us are distinctly, when we come to church, we can put on the facade, we can put on the mirage that, hey, we're a Christian, we're living a glorified life, we're living it all the way for God, but outside in the world, the world really can't tell the difference between a Christian and the non-believer. Getting quiet. Y'all good this afternoon? Don't worry, I'll get y'all home because y'all have kids that got to go to school. The parents are excited, amen? Ready to get them suckers up out of their house. Thank you, Jesus. I know in my family's house, we are excited to have our siblings leave. Woo! But see, Jesus wasn't, con got, see, this is what's crazy, is when he, Jesus starts off in 14, what he really starts saying is he goes for the first off, is that he's talking about his mother and father. He's saying that you must hate your mother and father. But a lot of people in the church, we like to think, amen, that it's all about hating the family. It's always about hating the mother, hating the father. But really what God was trying to show him is back then, amen, you have to understand, Jesus was saying that what you have, amen, that your love for your family must be different than your love for me. Amen. Let's put it like this. Amen. A great example is, amen, this. You love a football team. Amen. For me, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Amen. Do I got any Dallas Cowboys fans? Come on now. There it is. I got the right crowd today. For all you others, you'll get saved, sanctified, in the Cowboy field later. Come on now. You live, if you stay here long enough, you'll start feeling the Cowboy field. Amen. But this is Jesus right now. Amen. But we all, have a, we all love our favorite team, but compared to the love of our family, it's different. Come on. You'll die for your mother and your father. Amen. You ain't going to let nobody talk nothing about them. But Jesus was using this not as hate your mother and father, but what he was saying is, is the same way your love for them is different from this. He's like, you must put your love for me even greater than your mother and father. He's like, even your wife, you must love me more. The difference has to be greater. It cannot be the same level of love. But a lot of times in the church, I'm sorry, even I'm guilty of this, is that we'll put the same love for the people we love, but at the same level with God. And God's like, I'm not on the level of here. I need you to have the love for me up here. That's what he was saying in the first, in the first part of Luke 14. See, Jesus didn't come out the gate, you know, preaching a feel good, love good, I'm going to love you always, and I'm never going to correct you, or following me is not going to be hard. Jesus went down, and he went crazy out the gate. See, Jesus turned around and said, you wanna, I'm going to wreck your world in three sentences. The first thing was, I'm going to make sure you have to understand, you got to change how you love people. But see, in today's church, we, people like to be a fan of Jesus and get the blessings and get the rewards. But most importantly, they like to get the benefits of Christianity. They like to feel good. They like to worship. That's why they go to church. And this is the problem with the church. And that's why so many are falling away. It's because there is no more God's love first. We put God in the position of a man. And now we start seeing God as a man and not as God. 
Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you, Jesus. But see, I want you to understand, today's church has become about pleasure, about greed, about all these things. And that's what Jesus was trying to say. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to leave some things in life. He says, yes, even your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Amen? See, Jesus' ideology of what they were thinking about him or how to become the disciples. See, a lot of people in today's church want to be a fan of Jesus. They want to understand the ability or the pleasure in the receiving end of the blessings of God. But they never want to go through the shame or the persecution or the hard work or the dedication or better yet, even the process to get the word out about Jesus. Or better yet, sometimes they don't even want to put in the work to understand how to be a disciple. See, these are the three things, amen, that God, amen, changes. And most importantly, I want to show you what God wants to change from a fan, amen, to a real disciple. This is what works out, and this is what separates you from a fan, from a disciple. See, you can follow Jesus, and actually, there's, in record, there's about 2.18 billion Christians in the world. Amen, that says 75% of Americans claim they follow Christ, or better yet, they proclaim they're Christians. There's not disciples, they're Christians. Come on now. See, the question is, is do you want his promise or your plan? If your plan is God's, you must be God. See, the first thing I want to talk to you about, amen, about God, amen, when he comes, amen, to separate you from the crowd, or better yet, how to distinguish if you're in the crowd, is your plans. See, when we try to put on all these things, and especially in life, you know, we, we go through ministry, or better yet, we feel like God's calling us to do a certain thing, Amen. We start putting on these jackets. Amen. Let's just say, amen, we got some jackets because it's about to turn fall. And then after fall, my mother reminded me it's my terrible, my little problem I have. It's always that holiday season with the people that like to start off the Christmas carols too early. You, got, you know any people like that? If you're like me, you, you like the holidays just to smooth on by and like to not skip one. But they like to forget Thanksgiving's in the middle. It's all right. But the plan, see, this is what's crazy. See, when Jesus was talking, he was talking to a Jewish community. And if you learn about the Jewish community, this turns out when you research their history, see, the Jewish people, they already thought that because of where they were, because if you were born a Jew, that you had a leg on life because you were the promised children of Abraham. Hello. And some of them actually thought that they had the inheritance of heaven already. Hello. But let's check this out. Jesus was no other people. See, look how crazy this is to live in this. Why are you doing it? And this is what's crazy. Is that in today's church, we make plans for things to happen. But how many of us know that God's ways are not his ways? Our ways. And see, I need you to understand this. Is in our plans, see, we try to make plans. We try to make things happen. We try to make the things of what we want to happen, happen. Or sometimes we see a thing that God says, hey, this is what you're going to do, or this is what I'm going to require you to do in your life. Hello. For some of you, it may be like, hey, you're going to be a successful businessman, or you're going to be this and that. But sometimes we like to jump the gun on God, and we like to make our plans happen instead of letting his promise complete our plan. Hello. We like to make our plan better than what God promised us. We're like, all right, well, I'm going to do this step, this step, this step, and this step. 
And then God's promise is going to be at the end. But really what we try to, what we forget is that there's more turmoil and there's more pain. And at the end, the same result isn't the same. Can I get an amen? You have to understand one thing, saints, is that is when we look at the Bible and especially how Jesus was, had this crazy faith, it turns out that Jesus himself, come on now, when Jesus himself was doing miracles, he looked to the Father. And see, everything about Jesus' plans were always about the will of his Father. Amen? Because he knew the promise of God, and he knew everything that God was going to do in him was through his promise for his children. Come on now. You got to get excited because Jesus could have just said, I don't want to do it, and that was it. Amen? But he saw the children. Come on. Can I, do we have any children of God in the house? I need you to get excited because, look, he did it on the promise of God. He didn't do it on his own will. He did it to the will of his father. Because at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, you know, Lord, if it is your will, you know, if, it, if you can, let this cup pass from me. But if not, amen, let your will be done. But amen, but that's, you know, that's great and all. And then we see that God, you know, his ways aren't our ways, his thoughts aren't our thoughts, and so on and so on. But what we don't, but the crazy thing is, well, when we look at it, well, what do you mean, Pastor, that we're, how are we in the crowd if we try to plan out our life? Plans aren't bad, but what happens is, is we start jumping the gun and forgetting God's promise. And so we start to make our own plans instead of God's plan. Hello, God gave you an original plan, but then you altered the plan to fit your needs. See, for an example of this is, you know, I wanted to go to, I wanted to, go to college. I wanted to go to the University of UT Tyler, right? But how many know that I got stuck at TJC? It's not bad. It's actually really good. I've conquered, I've actually done a lot more when I've been at TJC than I would have at UT Tyler. But see, this is the thing you understand. My plan was to go to UT, but God's plan was to make me go to TJC to help out the ministry. See, God's going to alter your plan because he wants you to get back on course. But sometimes we like to go step by step in our own ways instead of having the promise of God. Some of us like to jump the gun, and this is the problem. Are you in the crowd? And this is why. Because our plans usually cross God's plans. And better yet, it crosses God's promises because we start to forget that he is God. But see, this is what's crazy. Can you see the thing about a fan of Jesus is this? The fan will follow Jesus. He likes Jesus' words. He likes seeing Jesus' miracles. He likes what he's saying. And he likes what he's doing in their life. But when it comes to his plan being crossed, he does not want to no longer follow or better yet, does not want to see anymore or desire to fit in with God. Or he loses the benefit of what God's doing. When his will gets crossed, amen, and that's a lot of our lives, amen, even I'm guilty of it to where we start to think that when, our, when we get crossed, amen, when we make plans, Amen. And God crosses them and shuts you off and says, you know, no. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? When God shuts the door on you, it's not that God doesn't care for you. God's actually protecting you from a mistake. Or better yet, sometimes God's like, that's not the route I have for you. I actually want you to go this route so you'll be more successful. Amen. But we think as soon as we get to the shutoff point, amen, we're like, I don't want to follow. I don't want to follow you. And that's what the crowd did. As soon as Jesus started to talk like this, crowds start to turn away. But the disciples remained because why? They knew that what he was saying was true and accurate. 
and they knew the promise, and they said, what do we have to plan? We don't have any more plans. We don't have a backup plan. I don't even carry a backup plan no more. All I know is Jesus now. Amen? That's the thing, is that's what the disciples had. They didn't have an ABC plan. They were like, well, we're following you, and that's all we got. Where you go, we'll go. And that's the thing, that's the problem in the churches today, is that we get to where it's the point in the churches to where we don't do what God wants us to do anymore. We do what the people want us to do. We become more of the people pleasers, or better yet, we start to accommodate the people more than accommodate God. Are we still okay today? Making sure. Ain't nobody got tomatoes, right? Oh, Lord. I can feel it coming. Hello. Don't throw the water balloons. But see, this is what's crazy is that, but the disciple, this is where it gets flipped, that their wills will get crossed. Yeah, they may be upset. That doesn't mean they stop doing what they're called to do. A disciple must learn how to enjoy God's will while God is crossing their plans. That's how you tell the first point if you are in the crowd. Because when your will gets crossed, the first thing you do is throw a fit and you're done. You make all the excuses. Well, I need this to be done and God can't do it. Or I need to just make it happen on my own. How many of us said that? I just need to make it on my own. But really God's saying, if you trust my promise instead of your plans, I promise you your promise will take care of all you needed and more. But see, the problem is, is we like to put on these things, amen, we like to put on like a spiritual jacket of, let me put my plan into action, and then I pray it works. That's what literally happens. It's like stepping out into, amen, like a little minefield without knowing where the mines are. You're just walking without any eyesight. But see, this is what God's trying to tell you, is that with ministry and even with your own life, even with your calling in life, there's a price that you have to pay. And sometimes when our will gets crossed, amen, it's like being single, amen. A lot of people want to get married, but when God says, I want you to be single so you can tell people about me, we're like, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> or like, or better yet, when we talk about finances and people are like, I'm all about that money, God. You know, I want to be the CEO. I want to be this. I want to be the top dog. And really, when God, then God puts the price tag on it, he's like, I need you to tithe. And you're freaking out. You're like, that's 10% of my whole income. You want me to put my faith and trust in you? Hello. It's like, but I wanted to do this. Or sometimes God has to cut us off from things that aren't good. And we're thinking, well, I thought that was the thing that you gave me. But really... It was fake. Put Isaiah 50, 55, 8 on, please. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. This is where I get this from. My, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. That scripture right there tells you one thing. God is a savage. He do not care about your ways. He don't care about your thoughts. And he don't care about your feelings. I mean, he does. But, you know, he's more like, look, I got you. But this is what's crazy about this scripture. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. So what you think about yourself or what you think about what you're worth or better yet, what you think you can or cannot do, God doesn't see it like that. Then we take the second part, nor are your ways my ways. This is where he calls us out. He's like, what you do isn't what I would want you to do. The mistakes you made and the things you're choosing to do, they're not my way. In the church, this is the problem we have. 
is we think this is one thing that God wants, but really it's our own selfish desires feeding us. Our own self, and we think it's for Jesus. It sounds good for Jesus. We're like, oh, pastor. You know, we go to Pastor Raymond. Oh, pastor, this is the greatest idea. You know, we just do this and that and that and that. And then really, in the back of your mind, you're really like, makes me get seen by people. Hope people see me, how good I can preach or how good I can evangelize. And maybe they'll hire me. Or maybe they'll see my credentials and I can start working in this job or I can start doing all this. But see, God's like, your ways aren't my ways. Your desires aren't my desires, saints. That's what God was saying in that. And that's what anybody says, declares the Lord. And that was God speaking. So you got you to get captivated by the word that this was God not just saying it from somebody. It was God saying it personally. He's saying we, may, we have plans and we make plans, but really the Lord orders the steps of a righteous man. But we forget the righteous part. That's the part we always miss, saints. Because when you're in the crowd, the righteousness, it only conforms when everything is going according to your plan. Or when everything is going your way, it just so happens that your righteousness will be shown. But once your will gets crossed, righteousness goes out the window and the flesh comes back in. But this is the second thing. If you'll put it up there. Never mind. You don't have it. The second thing is this. Patterns. See, some of us need to accept God's plan for our life. And see, this was the thing about Jesus in, this, in the verses. He says, you know, if you want to be my disciples, you must come. You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, and children, brothers, and sisters. But this is the crazy part, saints. This is where we mess up. Yes, even your own life. See, what God wants to do for you, check this out. His promise for you, if you allow God, if you allow to be a disciple and you get out the crowd, right, you become a disciple. So now what happens is God's promise takes over your plan. But the part is now is that you can't take your old patterns into God's promise. Because why? You can't take negative thinking when God's trying to transform your thinking. You can't change, you can't go into God's promise for your life if you still have the old patterns. Amen? It's like, I want to lead worship, right? Savannah, I'm not leading worship. Don't, don't take that out of context. She's trying to set me up now. Right? But it's like, say, for instance, you got a gift for leading worship or you got a gift of singing, right? What happens is, is you're like, well, God, I want to sing. I want to do all these things. But then God's just saying, I need you to serve in the background. I need you to serve when nobody's looking. But you're like, that makes no sense. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. I want to I do this. Or better yet, let's say for your marriage, if you're one of those people that just get angry all the time, amen, and you're like, God, well, God, I need you to do something radical in my marriage. I need you to let, help me let go of my anger and forgive this person and da-da-da-da-da. And God's like, I need you to confess to him. But you, because of your patterns, you don't want to confess. Amen? So you cannot carry your patterns into God's plan for your life. Your patterns will never want God's plan for you. Hello. Your patterns will never want God's plan for you. And the reason why we can't move forward is because some of our patterns we have, hello, sometimes it's because of the patterns we have in our lives. 
See, sometimes God doesn't want you to serve while no one is looking in order to open the doors. See, do you want your patterns or God's plan? If you don't change the pattern, then it don't matter where you're going. You won't make a difference. Hello. If you don't change your stinking thinking, amen, stinking thinking, we can say that now, amen. If you don't change your thinking, amen, sometimes it's like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to use this, man. This is a great example, is that sometimes God isn't looking for the person that says out loud, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for what I did. God's not looking for that. Sometimes he wants you to say what's on it. Sorry. He's, he's more concerned because this is why you can reveal your patterns and this is how you know your disciples because your patterns start changing. But this is the crazy thing is when you and God can work with you like this is when you say, God, I'm sorry for that thought I had towards her. Amen. Or God, I'm sorry for the way I treated him. Amen. Or God, I'm sorry that I yelled at my wife. I'm sorry that I cheated. I'm sorry that I lied to you about you. Hello. It got real quiet now. Y'all all right? Y'all good? Okay. Good. But see, I want you to understand this, is that God can use you more if you're willing to confess what it is rather than hide behind it what it's not. I can say I'm sorry all day, but until I confess it and bring it out, because look, I can use freedom as a shield from being actually free. I can hide behind freedom and say, I'm free, I'm free indeed. But until I bring it out behind freedom and show it to God and confess it to God, it won't make a difference. I'm not no different than the crowd. I'm just there because my patterns don't change. My patterns stay the same. And that's what God's wanting you to do, saints, is he's tired of the church having the same pattern. See, the church, you know, and a lot of the problems in the church are because of stuck old patterns. See, the word never changes and God never changes and the power of God never changes. But what changes is the patterns of the hearts of the people. That's what should change, saints. It's because we start getting stuck on this slow going slope and we just start going and going. But really God is calling you to change your pattern. You want something, you want God to do something or bring you forward into your destiny. But you're not willing to allow God to change your patterns. But it starts with you. See, if you don't change the pattern, then it don't matter where you're going. You can't make the difference. And see, God's not going to give you something that you can't stewardship over. Hello. You want something in life, but you can't. God's not going to give it to you because you can't stewardship over it. Or you can't handle it. Or better yet, you can't manage it well. See, God cares more and more of the people around you and your situation than you do. And that's why he doesn't release it. Hello. The reason why you've been expecting that breakthrough or sometimes you've been expecting God to show you that dream job or whatever you've been asking God for. The reason why is because you haven't learned how to stewardship yet. Hello. See, what patterns are you catering towards instead of God's promises? See, God ain't going to bless you if you ain't real. Hello. And a lot of the church say we're real, but when it comes to showing Christ-like characteristics, we leave out God's characteristics and we make ours seem like they're God's. Hello. 
Y'all still with me, saints? Don't worry, I'm about to be done in a second. We have to address these patterns. See, God can work with someone that says, yes, I had the thought and I'm ready to change. But God can't work with people that aren't ready to change their patterns. You want the things that God has for you in life or you want to just excel in life? Change your patterns. You know, there's an old saying that says, if you want to get smart, hang around smart people. If you want to be a hard worker, hang around hardworking people. If you want to change, hang around people that change their patterns. Not the wrong way, the right way. But see, this is the thing, is that you, God can't bless you, right? Or God can't use you to further him, everything that God needs you to further if you're not real. And that's the thing, is our patterns make us follow the crowd a lot. And then my third point is this, is that God is pleasure. Hello, pleasure. Are you in the crowd? The third thing is pleasure. See, when God captivates, amen, your patterns, and then he captivates, once he has your patterns, you know, he, he got your plans, and once he has your plans, he gets your patterns, and then what he wants is your pleasure. Hello. See, and this is the verse I want to point in, is that we're so willing to cut everybody else out of our lives, but we're not, ready, but we're not willing to cut our own self out. Hello. We're really quick to cut out Mary Sue, Bobby Boucher, and all these other people. <laughs> Woo! I knew I'd get people to laugh on that one. My gosh, I just need to say Bobby Boucher. <coughs> We're so quick to cut all these people out in our lives. But the thing is, you're not willing to cut yourself out. Because why? You like to hold a grasp of it. You like how it feels to have control You'll tell God, hey, man, I'll change everything. I'll change my patterns. I'll even change the pleasures. He's like, I'll even cut this person out to follow you. I'll cut this person out. And then God's looking at you. He's like, but I need you to cut yourself out. If you don't believe me, it's right there. It says, if you can want to be my disciple, you by comparison, everybody hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. That's easy for me. You know, woo. Yeah. But, this is, but this is the hardest part for everybody. Yes, even your own life. Even your own life. See, Jesus was saying, in order to be my true disciple, you must take yourself out. Cut yourself out. You're not good for you. I know that's tough behind the pulpit. But you're not good for yourself when you're trying to do God's will. Or better yet, in the crowd, that's how you can tell the disciples away from the regular crowd, is they'll cut themselves out. Whatever it takes, God, even if it means removing me, from stage light, whatever it means, God, in order to get you to come forward so everybody knows, so that all the swell springs of life that I have, God, can flow out, I'll do it if even it means cutting myself out of the equation. But see, God isn't interested in always making your lives sunshine and rainbows. That's not, Christ that's not Christianity. It isn't one day all great, happy, dory, you know, you get to keep swimming and swimming and you get to find Nemo at the end. But people thought Jesus was about comfort in, in those days. They saw Jesus healing. They saw Jesus doing all these miracle signs and wonders and even feeding the 5,000. But Jesus wasn't about comfort. And he said this, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But this is where we confuse it, saying God didn't say carry my cross, carry Jesus' cross. He said carry your own.
See, in our, in, our, in our society today, and even in the church, when we see the cross, we see Jesus on it, and we see salvation, and we see all the great things. But when we look at it, when Jesus was talking to the people, you see that what really Jesus was saying is, is that you're going to have to carry shame, persecution, persecution and, be, and most importantly, when people heard this, the cross, they saw the Romans for six hours long torturing death. Hello. We see it as a symbol of hope and of salvation, but back then when you said the word cross, they saw shame, humiliation, and torture. How do you like Christianity now? Woo! But when Jesus was saying this, you have to think, back then, that really shook up a lot of people because you're telling them to not have the comfortable life when Jesus was talking about love and peace and how the kingdom of God is at hand. But now you're seeing the true heart of God saying, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to go through some stuff, some hardships, some shame, some persecution, some shunning. Hello. See, this is where to carry the thing. I mean, the cross was something carry this. The cross was something that when Jesus was talking about where something had to die. And your pleasure has to die. Or you better yet, yourself has to die on the cross. That's why he said you had to carry it. It's yours. It's your own shame. It's your own mistakes. It's your own stuff. Amen. That God's allowing you to go feel the shame, the persecution, that's what God's saying. And he's like, I don't want just people following me. I want real people that, that will follow after my heart, that will go with me even to the end. Hello. And that's the problem with a lot of us in the church is that we want to serve God. But this is what's crazy about serving. Is serving is a word that keeps a lot of people out of their purpose. This is a word that makes us not want to serve. So Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And you want to be like him, but you don't want to serve. Hello. And see, that's the thing about serving is it gets you out of the pleasure state. It gets you out of the thing, amen, where you don't have the ability to just have instant, instant gratification when you serve. Serving takes you from up here to feeling like a lowly servant. But see, that's the thing. See, saints, God wants you to leave pleasure and endure hardship. Yeah, I know this is a tough message. Welcome to my life. God hit me first. See, if you want to be in the crowd or the fan section, that's fine. They got blessed too. But if you want the power and the miracles that are connected to Jesus, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a decision to where, what do I want out of this life? I mean, can I have the worship team, please? You're going to have to make a decision to figure out what is it? Do I want pleasure? Do I want my plan? And do I want my patterns to remain the same? Or do I want God's promise that trumps all three of them? Do I want something that God can give me or make a plan and hope at the end it works out? See, are you in the crowd? And this is really, you know, even for us that, you know, we're Christians, but sometimes Christianity, actually discipleship gets hard and we start to really think, man, is it really worth it? If you ever done full-time ministry, you <laughs> ask your leaders how hard it is. How hard it is. But see, are you in the crowd? And this is what I want to get across, saints, is this. Is that if you want to be in the fan section or in the crowd, that's fine. 
But for me and my house, because my father told me this, for his, and this is what my dad always tells us. He's like, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so for me and my future generation of my family, for me, it's not I'm going to probably serve the Lord. I'm maybe going to serve the Lord. It's no, I will serve the Lord at any cost. I've already given up so much to gain, so why don't I just give it all that I got left? Because, see, I don't want to be a part of the crowd. I don't want to be this person that just fakes it to make it. I don't want to get to heaven and hear God say this. I never knew you. Because, church, let me tell you something. The reason why God never knew them is because they were just part of the crowd. They said, hey, I'm a Christian. But they never chose to get out the crowd. You know, when God was giving me this, it's crazy. He said, you're marked. He said, you must carry your own cross. There are people waiting on you, not somebody that you're not. He's saying, you're marked. I've called you. But he's saying, you must carry your own cross. And what that means, saints, is that your calling and your anointing isn't the same as your neighbor's. Stop pretending to be somebody you're not. Sometimes we try to put on a front, but really, just admit it, God chose you. He didn't choose the person next to you to act like them. He called you. And that's where we get it mixed up in the church. I want to be like the next T.D. Jakes. I want to be like the next Stephen Furtick. That's fine. That's fine. They're good role models to look up to. You know, hey, look, this is what they're doing. They're preaching the word. Is that what you want to amount to, to preach? Man, that's fine. But God never called you to be a Stephen Furtick. God never called you to be another Anthony. God called you to be you. Trust me, you don't want to be me. I got issues. A lot of them. I'm surprised God called me. But he says he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Come on now. So you are marked like nobody else. You are set apart. God did it and gracious to you. But he didn't call you and mark you to be in somebody else's shoes. God never called you to be in somebody else's shoes. I don't want you to fill my shoes. Let me fill my shoes. Fill yours. Because the crowd, they wanted to fit in any way they want. They were all the lookalikes. But each disciple had a different personality. Each disciple was different. And that's what God's wanting you to do. He doesn't want you to be another crowd follower, another lookalike. He's tired of looking like he made you and he gave you the gifts, your character and everything else for a reason, saints. He made you you because he called you to be you. Stop trying to change. Stop trying to alter who you are. Just become the person that God created you to be. I don't need you to turn into me. Don't. I got issues you can't handle. Oh, I promise you. But that's everybody. Everybody's got issues and everybody's got the same different problems. But I promise you, God made you to be you. See, that's the crazy thing with God is that he didn't want the crowds. He wanted one or two people just to be like, you know what, God? I'm jacked up. I may, be, I may not have this. He's like, you know what? But I'm not going to follow them. But what, you, what you're saying is true. I'm going to give you everything 
because your way is better than mine. Or better yet, and I want to tell you this, some of us have a spirit of discouragement instead of confidence. We're not comfortable in our own skin. You can't love other people, saints. You can't love the world if you never loved yourself. You know who told me that? My own mother. She said, let me tell you something. Until you're comfortable in your own skin, you can't love anybody else. Yeah, smart. Another, you know, word from mother. But look, it's so true. God never called you to be somebody else's skin. He called you because you're unique. There's not a same person that can talk like you. There's not somebody that has the same ability as you. But this is what we have to do to be a disciple. Everything. Everything. We have to disciple in everything. See, women that are older, when you are, are you teaching young girls how to act like women of God? Men, are you the same way? Are you teaching the young guys to learn how to be men? Are you doing it right? See, you know someone once told me, you need to start making disciples because if you don't, you will never grow. Hello. I don't need disciples that look like me. I need them to look like Jesus. Hello. Because Jesus created you. Hello. Once you get that point across, is that Jesus created each and every single one of us individually, hello, then Jesus really wants you to be like him and how he sees you. Hello. How he sees you. So he's called out of the crowd and only 12 responded. And Jesus preached some hardcore stuff. So the question, church, and you can stand, is before we build this new church building, what will you do to help grow and make disciples? Or what about in your work life? Are you helping someone that can take your job so that when it's time for you to step up, you got someone to cover that area? Church, we need disciples, not fans. But saints, I want you to understand this, is that God wants you to have confidence in yourself through Him. Some of you look at yourself in a way that's like, man, I've screwed up. I, have, I can't do it, God. Until I'm like that person, I, won't be, I can't be used by you. But God's like, I've called you, and it's your own race. It's your own walk. It's your own calling. Your calling's not the same, saints. Amen. So with eyes closed, 